Welcome to Industry Focus, a podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. I'm your host, Vincent Shen, and joining me today via Skype is Senior Motley Fool contributor, Asit Sharma. Hey, Asit, thanks for hopping on. Thanks so much, Vince. Happy to be here, as always. So, as a reminder to anyone who has missed my previous announcements, this is the last show I pre-recorded before saying my goodbyes to the Industry Focus team. So, some 200 episodes captured in this studio. Um, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Thank you for being a part of this journey. I said, I'm glad we're going to wrap up 2018 with a company that I personally think is building something special, and that company is iRobot, ticker IRBT. So it's been well over a year since our last update on the company. In that time, the stock declined as much as 40% before returning to positive territory. For 2018, at least as of this recording, iRobot is up 10% year-to-date, topping the flat performance for the S&P 500. So we're not going to rehash the entire business description, but I said for fools who don't know this company or are only vaguely familiar with its consumer robots, uh, what, really quick, what's the story here? iRobot uh, is the manufacturer of the very popular Roomba device, which is a vacuuming device. It also makes a mopping device uh, called the Brava. Uh, the company is a pioneer in uh, the technology that allows you to have a hands-free experience and have your house vacuumed. Along the way, it's developed a lot of credentials in data mapping. Uh, is a, it's a very tech-savvy company, and it's integrated some of its own learnings with uh, companies like Google um, and also Amazon via Alexa. So it's a very um, current and uh, quite interesting uh, product between vacuuming and mopping. Um, and it has posited that in the future, we'll see a lawn mowing product. So that in a nutshell is uh, this company's business. Uh, We'll talk more about its business model. Yep, sure. Um, Right now, there is absolutely no doubt that sales of these cleaning robots like the Roomba, like the Brava and other models, that is driving the business at this moment. But uh, as you uh, sort of mentioned there, uh, for a long time now, management has talked about the incredible assets that iRobot is amassing by mapping all of the homes that its products are in, that they're helping to clean and tidy up. Um, they refer to this spatial awareness uh, as something that could serve as a real, really important tool, kind of a hub for uh, various smart home integrations that have yet to debut to consumers. Um, stuff of the future, I feel really feel like we're entering Jetsons territory here. And <laughs> we'll talk more about that in a bit. But uh, iRobot also, for their third quarter, had some really strong results, showing a lot of momentum throughout 2018. What jumped out to you? Revenue growth of 29%. This is um, on the heels of two new product introductions, the i7, which is a more upscale model of the Roomba, and the E5, which is a more mid-priced model. So uh, for three months ended September 29th, 2018, sales were $264 million. Gross margin of 32%. That's pretty strong. Uh, Research and development expenses increased, uh, as did selling and marketing expenses. But the company was able to increase its gross margin uh, by almost three percentage points to 14%. What I like about iRobot, which we're starting to see as the quarters go on, is the business model has proved itself out. It's getting more of a direct result from the research and development expenses that you know, it's investing, it's helping the top line, very healthy growth. And this recent quarter shows to me also management's acumen at figuring out what features will uh, hit 
consumers with product rollouts. Now, this sounds simple, right? You have a great product. You spend a lot on research and development. It's time to upgrade your line. But long-time listeners will know our favorite whipping horse, uh, GoPro, has struggled. Uh, is an example <laughs> yeah. of a company that struggled with new product uh, introduction. What is the feature that will bring customers in? For this mid-price model uh, in the, the most recent quarter, the company introduced uh, self-cleaning that's usually found in the higher models, and that had a huge uptake among pet owners who want that debris cleaned. So if your analysis is correct, you understand how you can price your next generation of products and swap features. And that really impressed me, as well as with the higher-end model, uh, the company now has price points that range really in a stepladder fashion, from $300 for entry-level up to $600, and for the i7 Plus, $900 to $950. So there's something for everywhere in the offering, and that's showing up in these um, financial numbers. And I'd also just quickly like to talk about the balance sheet, because that really stands out to me as well, how strong it is. Um, Vince and I uh, just got through taping an episode, which hopefully most of you have already listened to. so we're pre-recording this episode. We just talked about a company which has quite a bit of new debt on its books, Carvana. Um, in in the episode, you'll you can find that on our podcast list. But iRobot, which has been around for a while now, has no long-term debt on its books. It has uh, a current ratio which is about two and a half times. That means current assets, um, current resources which aren't long-term in nature, are about two and a half times the current liabilities, like accounts payable and other types of one-year expenses that uh, the company's obligated for. Inventory is up 50% since the beginning of the year. That's a function of this sales uh, path we're seeing, that 30% growth that I talked about uh, quarter over quarter, and it's also a function of the new product launch. And that's a healthy increase in inventory. Um, it's like the three little bears. Based on sales, this feels just about right. You don't want too much inventory going into your channels because that can be inefficient, but you don't want too little uh, when there's demand on the products you've introduced. And I like this relationship between the 30% top-line growth and 50% in industry. So all in all, I had not looked at iRobot's financials in a while. Very impressed with what I see. It feels like a very solid company with a product that, as Vince mentioned, is seeing a lot of demand in the marketplace. What, what are your thoughts, Vince? Well, I'll go back, um, you know, to these uh, to this most recent quarter. Uh, you know, with that twenty percent, twenty nine percent year over year growth. You know, that's accelerating from the second quarter, which had a twenty four percent pace. The bottom line net income was up forty four percent. So these are numbers that all exceeded analysts' expectations across the board. Uh, units sold came in at I believe one point one million units. During the quarter, again up big from the prior year, and uh, something that management has stressed is that revenue growth for the company will largely be driven by units rather than average selling prices. So, one that I think supports the uh, broader trend of greater greater smart home device adoption, and even then, as you mentioned, this that step change in terms of the pricing for their products three hundred to six hundred to as much as nine hundred dollars. Um, Clearly, uh, customers are f- 
feel that the features that the company is introducing are compelling um, because average selling prices are increasing. They went from 260 to 289 uh, year over year in this period. Uh, gross margins, again, expanding, I think you said the three percentage points. Just, so widening there as well. And I think for the time being, this should be enough to hold off some of the critics, some of the bears who have argued that iRobot will struggle to compete with a growing number of low-cost competitors. Because the features, for example, for the premium i7, i7 Plus that it released, are just incredible uh, looking at how it can really become a seamless part of your home. But Asa, do you actually own anything like this, any of these robotic vacuums, even from a competitor or anything? So... For those who can watch the video later, I only shoot myself like um, shoulders up. I, I say that to make the point that I need all the exercise I can get. And I use a, a broom manual process. <laughs> we had some friends who bought a Roomba when it first came out. Uh, and many friends since then have converted. So I'm very familiar with it. Um, but it's one of those pieces of tech that I'll probably give into. But for now, uh, I think I will hold out for as long as I can. I, I got to uh, keep this waistline in. Curious, Vince, now, um, of course, you're moving uh, on and, and traveling. Do you happen to have a Roomba? No, I don't. But honestly, the more I look into what some of these products offer, especially from iRobot, it really becomes tempting. So with this latest i7 uh, release, um, you know, if you purchase it with a dock, it can clean a room um, and detect on its own when its dustbin is full. And then it will return to the dock to automatically empty uh, the bin within the unit before moving on to clean more. So it can also learn room names. So uh, an, uh, an owner of one of these devices, they can give the command to the Roomba to clean specific places in the home. Um, and all of that while the, the machine will map and learn to optimize the cleaning process. So it's a pretty impressive feature set uh, in that this kind of top of the line for the, these Roomba vacuums and demand for these new models um, like this i7. They really helped domestic sales outpace other markets at 45% in this most recent quarter. And as they expand the launch for them uh, abroad, I think that will be a really strong tailwind um, as they reach these other markets and drum up demand on their own. So this latest report, I think, is undeniably strong, um, but there were some elements outside of the company's control um, that are, I think, driving the near-term story for iRobot. And those are some of the issues with Terrace, for example, that have investors concerned. Um, I'm curious, how worried do you think investors should actually be about these tariffs and how they might hurt the bottom lines in kind of the near to medium term? Investors should be aware of the impact. Uh, some time ago, Secretary of Commerce Wilbur Ross uh, had projected that the effect of tariffs would be very minimal on any company. And he used Campbell's soup cans as an example. He said it's a, a cent or two on a Campbell's soup can. What we're finding that in reality, the effects of, of imposing tariffs um, are, become concrete over time because the fear factor ratchets up commodity prices, and then the actual imposition of tariffs, of course, makes things more expensive. So uh, this is one of the companies that has actually quantified an impact. I believe um, that the company says it's about a $5 million impact, which is going to affect uh, total year gross margins by about a percentage point. So while that's not a huge number, you also have to balance it with the fact that management said that, look, for now, 
we're not going to pass that on to customers. We're going to absorb that in our gross margin. So this is something a, a, like a developing story that investors should watch. I would say over time, uh, Roomba products are leading the market in innovation. So there's some price elasticity there, which Vince talked about uh, a couple of episodes. Again, we'll go back to Econ 101, that the company has some uh, pricing power in its products. And I think the tariffs is a great example of this. Let's say after a couple of quarters, um, iRobot decides that it will pass on a few bucks increase or five or 10 bucks increase, um, let's say on its middle of the line product. Customers will probably pay for that, and essentially the same with the higher end. And what management has said recently, and I think in the most recent conference call, earnings conference call, is that at the higher end of the product spectrum, there is price elasticity which exists, and that's where the company wants to innovate. And that's the counter argument for the bears. If you can keep ahead of the lower price competition, just to give you an example, I think Samsung has an excellent entry-level product for $300. Now, that's a very formidable competitor with, with massive resources. If you can keep ahead of a competitor like Samsung with innovation, then when you have these external events um, like a trade war, which impacts your, right, your commodity costs and makes it more expensive for you, you can pass on some of that effect to customers. Now, we don't know eventually how... Uh, serious that the trade war will be when all is said and done or how long it will last. But I think that an event like this makes management more keen to roll out new products with an ever um, higher attachment rate among those people who are willing to pay for the features that Vince just described, the ability for a Roomba to empty itself 30 times before you have to take action, which is an incredible feature uh, to me. what, what do you think about uh, the tariffs and, and the effect on their PL events? Well, just quantifying it, uh, you mentioned the $5 million. That's the hit to iRobot's operating income in the fourth quarter um, as a result of a 10% tariff on specifically vacuums made in China. But even worse, the tariff will increase to 25% at the start of 2019. So iRobot's kind of stuck here where they have to grapple with the increased costs. Um, and this is a situation where iRobot, they contract all their production. Uh, for the robots to Chinese manufacturers. So it's going to be a tough, it's not, they can't find, it's not going to be easy for them to find a, a quick solution to avoiding the tariffs. Um, on top of that, also in the near term, uh, like you said, management has indicated they want to avoid r- passing uh, the cost increases onto consumers and raising prices. And they're working on cost reductions, other ways of handling the elevated 2019 tariffs. But at some point, it may require that they do that um, to protect a little bit of their profitability. Twenty-five um, is pretty significant in terms of the hit there, uh, the potential hit there for the company, and it could hurt the strong momentum that they've so far built in 2018 as into the new year too. Um, I will say that softening the blow from that though, uh, nine U.S. customers make up more than half of total revenue, and the smaller but growing Brava line for the mops. Um, that's unimpacted by the tariffs. So right now, Brava makes up less than 10% of revenue, but there's a big market for that in uh, regions like China, for example, where hardwood or tiled floors are more common than carpeting. Um, they've mentioned that as a potential, uh, potentially major growth driver uh, looking ahead. So, given the solid financial footing that iRobot's in, you know this. Uh, pretty solid cash pile. I think it's about $135 million, no debt. Um, that cash 
reserve that the company has has reduced recently uh, since 2017 because iRobot shelled out about 150 million dollars to to acquire their distribution arms for their products in Japan and Europe. Um, I think that was the right move, given it has allowed the company to control the marketing, the messaging uh, better for these international markets. I think they've improved some of their uh, their volumes there and also their selling prices there as a result of those moves. And the cash flow that this company is generating is sufficient to sustain its R&D spending. And that's going to be, again, really essential for a tech-focused consumer products business like this. Um, so R&D was at $113 million in 2017, $135 million in a trailing 12-month period. So it's good for about 25% of the company's gross profits. And I think related to that spending and the pretty bright long-term outlook that I think exists for this company, uh, iRobot announced in October a deeper relationship with Alphabet. So you mentioned this at the beginning of the show. Um, Alphabet, obviously, a pretty big player at this point in terms of their smart home technology. And on the surface, there's this obvious value add for consumers. Uh, For example, they have the ability to use uh, Google smart home devices to give commands to iRobot products. That's something that's available both through Google and Amazon's Alexa. But as smart home solutions just become more and more prevalent in homes, and I visited some friends in your neck of the woods in North Carolina a couple weekends ago, and I was uh, pretty impressed to see that they have uh, all their security, um, kind of their HVAC system, and all these other elements in their home that they purchased recently already integrated into kind of a smart home apparatus. And the more functionality that these smart home devices offer, they'll need more and more data and and insight into the physical space. And again, iRobot is the company right now that's best positioned to provide that kind of information, you know, given they've sold 20 million robots around the world. They're in so many homes kind of collecting and doing that mapping, collecting that data. So on the horizon, um, you mentioned also the hints of a robotic lawnmower that might that might be coming soon. Um, there's the greater adoption of the Brava uh, that we've talked about. I think a strong holiday season will also be in the cards for the company, thanks to the new product launches. So let's wrap up with uh, any final takes, also valuation. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I absolutely want to uh, talk about valuation because I think it's pertinent to everything that you just discussed, Vince. Uh, Currently, the stock trades at a forward P.E. ratio of uh, 30 times. So, stock is trading at 30 times one-year forward earnings. The market cap of this company is about $2.5 billion. So, why these two pieces of information are related, this is essentially still a small cap stock. And I was sort of surprised to see the market cap, um, which I hadn't looked at in a while. I thought it would be greater. But what that tells me, and uh, I spoke about this maybe a couple months ago on a show, for a small cap company, to trade at 30 times earnings means that you're right in line with the Russell 2000 index. That's the average um, valuation, forward valuation for a company of this size, all things considered. So, in my opinion, uh, there's not, although 30 times forward earnings sounds a little pricey, there's not really much of a premium there. And investors who are uh, short-term oriented may feel that's great. Those who are longer-term oriented may see that the market is discounting the forward opportunity of integration that Vince talked about. Again, going back to a concept that he mentioned at the very beginning of the show, the spatial awareness, the data that a Roomba can provide to other components in a house uh, that are integrated, the Internet of Things devices, which are all communicating with, with each other, those 
potentialities are enormous if you just start to brainstorm what a Roomba might uh, be able to provide. Myself, just a random one I came up with, well, what if your Roomba could uh, tell your Sonos speaker um, to play the volume up a little bit because it was coming to vacuum, but your kid was still in the room. Uh, so you can just imagine if it d does indeed integrate with other devices and sell some of its capabilities, that's a marketplace advantage that's hard for a competitor um, who's just manufacturing a device on a price point uh, to compete with. So I think the stock long-term looks attractively valued here, especially it's sold off along with the general tech sector as of this recording uh, a little bit this year. What are your thoughts, Vince? Yeah, I think for company uh, in this business, you, know, you have the market share leader, they're putting up well over 20% top-line growth in 2018, over 15% on the bottom line. I, the 30 times uh, forward earnings doesn't look quite so pricey to me. Uh, I think a long-term investor also generally not quite shrug off, but not put as much weight from, for example, the new-term hit with the tariffs. Um, and that doesn't mean you can't protect yourself by building up your position here over time. And given the strong demand, for example, for these new products that they launched, um, those are going to be big story drivers think, in the holiday season. So, you know, strong sales, maybe weaker profits, but the company is going to work into that with these new features and building up their ASPs. And it's just, you have a company here that's the leader in this young industry. It's still, as you said, it's very small, $2.5 billion market cap. Um, I really, again, have been excited to kind of look into this company, uh, get updated on it again. Uh, it's, it's just a very cool business. Uh, all right, so that's all the time we have for today. Thank you, Asif, for joining us. Thanks so much, Vince. This has been a pleasure. Thank you, Fool, so much uh, for Austin, for Asset, all the other contributors. I'm signing off from Industry Focus. Thank you for all your support. People on the program may own companies discussed in the show, and the Molly Fool may have one more recommendations for or against any stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based only on what you hear during the program. Fool on. 